Because if you see your life different, it's fraught, it's anxious, it's tumultuous, it's small, it's always insecure. Rather than I see myself as a part of God's ecology, and I know that at some point, like a raindrop going home uh, to the ocean, I will go home to ultimate reality. If one sees one's life that way, that's not morbid at all. That actually could truly give you life while you still have breath in you. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Hey everyone, I'm Melissa Rao and this is Four People. Throughout this 2023 Lenten season, Bishop Wright and I are having brief conversations based on his five-part video series and study guides he shared with the Episcopal Diocese of Atlanta. You can get access to that video series by visiting www.episcopalatlanta.org. This week, we're talking about the fourth devotion of the Lenten series, Bishop, and it's called Seeing Like Jesus Makes the Difference, inspired by John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41, which, of course, is the story of Jesus and the blind man. You do two things in your passage, I think. I mean, you do more than that, really. <laughs> but you compare and contrast the way we see things with the way Jesus sees things. Could you wade through your thoughts and summarize why this passage is such a meaningful one? Well, it's a meaningful one because it's an important story. Um, I mean, it's a story that bears telling Jesus encounters a man who is blind from birth. He's well known in his community. And, uh, and he's sort of wrought written off um, because his blindness is understood by the religious community and by the community at large, uh, you know, it, it's his, his blindness is a consequence of his parents' sins. And so, and so in this text, we get this cause and effect that I, that I think is, is a timeless cause and effect that we, we want to immediately point to things and say, you know, this is, this infirmity, this this uh, tragedy, this catastrophe has happened to people, um, perhaps as a punishment from God, and and Jesus sort of rebukes that in this story, and he he asks us to think about things differently. He asks us to think about our hardships as an opportunity to give God the glory, and I think that's one of the first things um, that uh, that Jesus asks us to see differently. Um, you know, and, and maybe even, you know, uh, sort of restoring our sight that if we sort of live in this, you know, tightly cause and, you know, tightly orchestrated cause and effect, you know, sort of world, perhaps we're, we're missing an opportunity to see hardship, adversity, even catastrophe as an opportunity for God to shine. Uh, and perhaps we're looking at neighbor, um, you know, wrongly. Um, perhaps there's a more graceful way to look at people. So, you know, I mean, it, this guy is hilarious because, you know, he bounces around from religious community to the community at large, to the disciple community. And, you know, everybody see, sees him as a problem to solve, a theological problem to solve, right? Uh, and Jesus sees him as a neighbor to bless. And and I think that's one of the most striking pieces of, of, of Jesus's uh, sight that he wants to lend to us is, is that, you know, you can get way down in the weeds about this, that, or the other thing, but ultimately, you know, you and I are neighbors in need of a blessing, in need of a healing, and we're surrounded by neighbors in need of a blessing and a healing. 
Wow. Okay. So um, I think this is a big thought. So hear me out. (laughs) I think a lot of people naturally strive to do what Jesus did. Um, Yet they forget that our actions are often informed by how we perceive the world. And our perspective often undermines and determines how we move in and through it. So I love how you raise up the fact that seeing like Jesus is a good way to view the world and the people in it. Yet I, I think what I know of perspective is that it's often not the full reality. Like we have blind spots that limit our ability to see the full truth of things. Like Jesus wasn't, <laughs> Jesus wasn't bogged down by a limited perspective, right? Because, yeah, our view is limited by prejudice, bias, limited experience, all those things. And um, he was fully God. <laughs> and so I'm curious, how might we imperfect and sinful people, people who consistently miss the mark, widen and deepen our perspective to see more clearly. Well, that's the fulcrum of the whole, of the whole enterprise, right? I mean, the full, you know, the sort of uh, the gift of being in relationship with Jesus is to recognize everything that you've already said is, is that, you know, we come from uh, places and we come from people and they've passed on their partialities, their, 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 their sort of biases, et cetera. And our journey as we go forward uh, is, to, is to, to find someone, if you will, to find a perspective that we think is the most gracious perspective, the most wide perspective, the most merciful, the most generous, the most deep perspective that we can find, the most neighborly perspective we can find. What we are saying as Christians is we find that in Jesus Christ. We, we find that his sight uh, the way that he looks at things gives life, um, whether it's his way of thinking about uh, redemptive suffering to it's his way of looking at my my actual life uh, as not my own possession, but as a gift from God. Um, uh, we, you know, the way he looks at all kinds of neighbors and, and, and you know, treats them with dignity, uh, value and worth. Um, you know, so so I, I guess I don't get hung up on the fact that you and I are terribly limited. I, I guess uh, I, I take that at face value. We are tragically terribly limited, and and it and it causes so much hell in the world that we are because when we see small, we behave small, and we do small things. We do we do heinous things to one another. Um, you know, and so in Jesus, we are pulled open. We are pulled wider. Um, and so, you know, uh, they were looking at this guy who had a, a chronic situation, uh, you know, not of his own making, and they wanted to write him out. I mean, and I think, you know, you see the struggle when we think about the poor among us, right? Some of us, uh, 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 you know, are perhaps not as uh, involved with the poor as perhaps we might be because somewhere we harbor that it is their fault. Um, they got there because of their own fault. And if they would just be a little bit more like me, a little bit more industrious, et cetera. And so it's a, it's a sticky wicket because, yes, there is responsibility, personal responsibility. I, I'm a big proponent of agency, of, you know, get, you know, if you don't get it done yesterday, get up a little earlier today, you know, and get after it. So I, yes, all of that. And yet there are circumstances and situations and, uh, you know, uh, which we have no clue about, chronic cycles that we have no clue about, that actually need a more gracious response, that, that are actually not 
as cause and effect as we'd like to make them. And so when I when I try to put on my Jesus goggles, if you will, um, you know, then I, I see myself, I see my neighbor, I see others more compassionately. Um, and I, I think that's that's the journey. Yes, none of us will ever make it to perfection land. That's not the gig. The gig is, you know, can we earnestly offer our sight to Jesus and say, help me to see as you see? Because I believe that makes a difference, whether we're talking about in the marriage, uh, whether we're talking about, you know, in terms of seeing even the person that we, you know, from whom we're divorced. Um, it, it makes the difference when I, I look at my money and what I need and what perhaps I could bless the world with. Um, and so um, it, it even involves how I might look at my, you know, really difficult circumstances in my life. You know, Jimmy Carter right now is teaching us how to die with grace. He's teaching us how to. So so he's looking at something uh, that is helping him look at his life, um, you know, in, in a way that says, I've come to my end. I'm not going to fight it. I've come to my end. I've lived a good life. I've been a blessed man. I've made a contribution. And, you know, now I put myself in the hands of those who love me and of my Savior. He's teaching us something about a real spiritual maturity. Um, and I think that has everything to do with that he has some sense of who his Savior is. He sees who his God is, the God he's known deeply for his entire life, and now sees the end of his life as an opportunity to put his the remainder of his life you know, in God's hands. And I believe seeing like Jesus in that way uh, gives us a peace that passes all understanding. Because if you see your life some, you know, differently, then it's just, it's fraught, it's anxious, it's tumultuous, um, it's small, it's always insecure. Uh, rather than I see myself as a part of God's ecology, and I know that at some point, like a raindrop, you know, going home uh, to the ocean, I will go home to ultimate reality. If one sees one's life that way, uh, that's not morbid at all. That actually can truly give you life while you still have breath in you. So uh, you highlighted the story. You you highlighted the part that Jesus was by the pool of Siloam. And 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 you you called out that that actually means sent and then you said, what if you saw your time in school, your job, your service, even your family as a place and the people to whom you are being sent by God? And I don't know why when you were talking about Jimmy Carter and Jimmy Carter's death even, that part of your devotion really jumped out at me. Yeah. Well, that's great. Friends, we're going to be right back after a short break. Hi, listeners. Thank you for listening to Four People a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to four people. Welcome back to four people. Bishop, you said they see their tradition clearly but they cannot see God's future breaking out right in front of their eyes. And I'm curious if you might expand on that a little bit and how we might adapt that to us. Like, 
how might we be able to see God's future breaking out right in front of our eyes? Well, you know, look, um, this is this is the religious community of Jesus's day, and it could be our religious community exactly. too right now. I mean, you know, I, I work in the church. I love the church. I'm a beneficiary of so much of, the, of, of what's good in the church. And at the same time, you know, we struggle to look forward by faith. And so my argument really in this is, is that tradition and all of its blessings, you know, best serve us by helping us to, to, to move forward um, rather than celebrating where we have been. You know, um, there's a reason why the rear view mirror is smaller than the windshield, <laughs> right? And so I think sometimes in the church, you know, we reverse that logic, right? It feels like the, you know, the rear view mirror uh, is the size of the windshield and the windshield is the size of the rear view mirror uh, sometimes in the church. And I understand that that's the liability but when, you know, what you do is to handle ancient texts and what you do is to sort of in, in some ways derive lots of meaning uh, from the past. Uh, and, and sometimes we bring that into now and that helps us to navigate today. But, but you know, it seems that Jesus saw in our past and in our traditions a pattern that would help project us into the future. And so, if we know who God has been and is now, then we have some sense of, you know, how to trust going forward. We, we begin to develop a character sketch, you know, of God. And the, and the great liability in the church then, uh, you know, in every religious tradition then and now uh, is, is that we sort of, uh, you know, make of God sort of a museum piece. And we, we lock God in. And, and the scripture says, and Jesus does a wonderful job all the time by saying, you know, you have heard, but very truly I tell you, which is to say, this is, I have been God in this way, and I'm looking forward to being God in this way. Uh, and so we have to do the hard work always of saying, you know, what is precious and what is expendable? You know, what is our call forward based on who God has been? It's not about the abandonment of tradition. It's about God refreshing us and moving us forward based on that tradition. These are our traditions are strong shoulders. Our religious traditions are strong shoulders uh, to stand on. Uh, and I think this is what Jesus is trying to invite us you know, into. And so this is the struggle with the church right now is, is that uh, we're terribly afraid of the future. Um, and so we're clinging, you know, white knuckled. Uh, uh, to the past. And and here we have, you know, this God who's saying, you know, step out of the boat, you know, to, to call up another Bible story, step out of the boat and uh, and come to me and not in fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety will make you sink. Uh, step out of the boat and, and come to me. I know it's harder. Uh, it's easier to say than it is, you know, hard to do. But nevertheless, that is the work. It's just to find in every season, what does faithfulness mean? And in this regard, this story Faithfulness means for us right now is to see the future as an opportunity for new faith expressions and to see what God is doing. If God has been trustworthy in the past, surely God will be trustworthy in the future. And so we can be less insecure. You know, tragically, you know, uh, it seems sometimes in our religious traditions, uh, you know, we, we, we sound awfully insecure. Like, you know, if, if we don't sort of polish things just so, uh, 
uh, somehow God ain't God. And, and I just, you know, thank God that God works through all of our smallnesses and all our imperfections and all of our not getting right. And God has God's way through all of that. I remind people all the time and I remind myself that the best of us are nothing more than a cracked vessel. All of us have got holes. All of us are porous. All of us have some leaks, right? And yet God has decided to use these cracked vessels to do God's work. And so also we would be reminded that as God moves through these cracked vessels that we are and our traditions are, that we can really boast in nothing save, you know, God's mercy, grace, innovation. And I like to say God's mischievousness. So, so here's God mischievously providing yet one more example to the people who bear the tradition to say, hey, tradition is great, but it's not the whole enchilada, right? I am still God. I will be God the way I want to be God. I will heal, you know, who I want to heal. And I will sort of intervene when I want to intervene. Your job, faithful uh, folks, uh, is to join me in my purposes, not to try to restrain me, God, and contain me into your purposes. I love that so much. I, this is my favorite line in the whole devotion. Jesus, though Lord of all, decenters himself every chance he gets because he has been sent to be a billboard for God's love. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what would the world look like? <laughs> Right. If we were able to live like a billboard for God's love. Well, I think you've got to, I mean, this is the point of the whole story, right? So it starts with the seeing. Yeah. So if, if what if we today decided, I see my life, I'm going to see my life with all of its imperfections, with all of its strength and virtues, wounds and vulnerabilities. I'm going to see my life as some sort of billboard for the grace of God that I have experienced. And I'm going to lead with that message wherever I go, the boardroom, uh, the marriage bed, um, you know, various meeting spaces. I, I am going to just lead with that, that somehow that I am a commercial for God's love. Imperfect, for sure. But nevertheless, that is who I am. That is my central identity. And I have been sent to wherever I find my feet today uh, to proclaim that message uh, with my mouth uh, sometimes, but always with my actions. And it, that might change some things. I think seeing like that makes the difference. Amen. And thanks be to God for that. Bishop, thank you. And thanks for listening to Four People. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.